Welcome to the podcast of the preaching ministry of LifePoint Church, led by Pastor Lane Harrison. We pray this ministry is a blessing for your life. For more information about LifePoint, please visit lifepointozark.com. For more information and resources from Pastor Lane, please visit mlaneharrison.com. I want to invite you to take your Bibles this morning and open to the Gospel of Mark. No, better yet, let's go to Matthew since that's what I'm preaching from. (laughs) You can open to Mark if you want to. I I don't mind, but I'm going to be in Matthew. Matthew chapter 8. We're going to look at the first 17 verses this morning of Matthew chapter 8. About three years ago, I started preaching through the Gospel of Matthew during the summers. And we're doing fairly short uh, pericopes in the Gospel. We've done, uh, we did uh, the Beatitudes, the Lord's Prayer. We did last summer the introduction to Jesus in chapters 1 through 4. Well, this summer we're going to cover Matthew 8 through 10. And we're going to look at the introduction of Jesus' earthly ministry from the perspective of the Apostle Matthew and how he introduces Jesus as the Messiah. And what we're going to look at is the Messiah's mission. Why did Jesus come? What did he do here on earth? And we will see that he introduces for us this mission, if you will, of making disciples and how his ministry was directed in that way. You know, when Matthew introduces Jesus' earthly ministry... There's a very particular focus in two ways. The authority of his teaching and the testimony of even people that didn't follow him were he doesn't teach like anybody else. Like he has an authority that no one else brings. Why? Because he was the living word. He was the word made flesh. But he also brings the power of Jesus by his signs and wonders. And so the power was made manifest in the miracles that he performed. And that's what Matthew is very careful to point out for us. And so Jesus' teaching and his power proves that he is God. He is the Messiah who has come. And, and he is the one through whom all of God's promises in the Old Testament will ultimately be fulfilled. And at every moment, both in his teaching and in the demonstration of his power, he always calls for people to respond in faith. And so in this series, for the next number of weeks throughout the summer, we will seek to exalt the Lord Jesus, to demonstrate His teaching and His authority and His power by His signs and wonders, and call each one of us to trust Him with our whole life to live as Christ followers. Today I want to begin that by looking at this passage and helping you understand that Jesus the Messiah comes in power to bear the brokenness of our sin and transform the life of the one who follows Him. He comes in power to bear the brokenness of our sin and transform the life of the one who follows Him. We're going to look at three distinctive glories of Jesus' ministry on earth this morning. And let's go to Matthew chapter 8. And I'm going to begin by reading verses 1 through 4 to look at the first distinctive glory. 
Matthew records, When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. May God bless the reading, the hearing, the understanding, and the obeying of His Word today. So as we begin this story, Jesus has this leper approach Him. Leprosy was one of the great illnesses or diseases of that day. It was a disease that was a terminal death sentence for people. There was no cure. Treatments were completely uh, 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 without any effectiveness for all practical purposes. And essentially lepers had communities far, far outside of where everyone else lived their life. They were cast out. They had to immediately leave their family. They were completely separated from any of their friends, their family, everything that was comfortable, and put into a place far outside the normal areas of cities and communities because they didn't have any way to treat it. And it was highly infectious. And what I want us to see in these first four verses is to that kind of person, Jesus was willingly awaiting the needy person who believes in Him to ask. This is the first distinctive glory that we see of Jesus. He is waiting for this kind of person. What kind of person is it? The kind of person no one else even wants to be around. Final. We don't know how to deal with this. You've got to go away from us. But Jesus stood ready. And, and listen, don't miss this. The fact that the leper approached Jesus in a great crowd is itself a phenomenal act of faith. Why? Because he could be put to death even for coming close to people. I mean, he, him approaching an individual was a threat against their life. That's how they were perceived. And yet he knew something about the man he was coming after. About the man he had heard was coming near. That made him want to go and to be near to him. There was a hope in this leper that was a different kind of hope. And one that was birthed from all that he had heard just in the short amount of time that Jesus had been on the earth. And so it tells us that he approached Jesus and he kneels before him and he says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Don't miss the power of that statement, friends. It's a statement of complete submission. Not only in his posture, but also just in his testimony. He's saying, look, I know who you are. I've seen and I've heard about what you've done. And I know this. There isn't any other place for hope on this earth in my life. But there is hope in you. That's why I was willing to overcome all the stigma of the world in order to find you today. This is a powerful statement of faith. His statement is not just a simple, generic uh, 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 statement about Jesus' ability. Hey, I've heard some good things about you, dude. I hear you really got it going on. I hear you're pretty powerful. You're, you're better than most of the rest. No, this is a statement that says, I know that you're nothing like anything else we've ever seen before. 
But it was also specific and personal. And it went straight to the heart of Jesus. He said this, listen, what I have heard about you and I've come to believe about you is, is what we have never seen in anyone else. But, but I believe you can, if you will. So it was a personal statement about what he had come to know about Jesus. It was a personal statement about his own status in life. And in, in between these two realities of who Jesus was and who he was, hung the balance of these three simple words, if you will. And the weight of those three words were the motivation that got him up out of his seclusion and isolation and caused him to come to a place where he wouldn't be welcomed by anyone and risk whether Jesus would welcome him in front of others. And you know what happened? In that instant, Jesus didn't even blink or hesitate. There was not an ounce of hesitation, but shattering cultural expectations, he touched him. Did you see that? He touched him. Listen, it's one thing to speak to a leper. That was the one thing that was allowed. As a matter of fact, the leper was responsible when he saw other people coming to cry out, Unclean! Unclean! You don't want to come over here! You don't want what I've got! And maybe they meant, I don't want you to have what I've got. But it says this about Jesus. He reached out and touched him. You know how leprosy gets transmitted? Touch. You know how love gets expressed? Touch. That's what Jesus did. He took the greatest risk in front of everybody watching. And He shattered cultural impositions over this man to touch His life and bring healing to him. And this is what Jesus said when he defined the touch. He said, I will be clean. Jesus demonstrates in that most compassionate and merciful way his willingness, his willingness to love people that are unlovable, his willingness to touch people that are untouchable, his willingness to receive people that have been cast out, isolated. And put away from everyone else. Reaching out to touch the man is the most potent act in this whole story, friends. For the grace of that personal touch is the first act that was forbidden of a leper. And it was the first response of a king who was ready and willing to receive him. And Jesus made the man clean. And he showed his willingness by that personal touch. And in that instant, what beauty... And what grace and what mercy is demonstrated in what we understand as the gospel. Our eternal hope in this man, Jesus Christ. Hear me friends, the first marvelous glory of Jesus that we need to understand today is that He did not need to be conjured up. He did not need to be cajoled. He willingly awaits the person who believes in Him to ask. Do you see this Savior today? He's here, just like He was there in that day. And He is willingly awaiting the one who in need 
will come to Him and ask. It will be more glorious than you could have imagined. It will be more hopeful and promising than you could have dreamed. You know, it's one thing to believe that Jesus can do something, but it's a completely different kind of belief that believes Jesus will do something. And then, based on what you believe about Him, to ask Him to do that. And so I ask you, have you reached the point where you know Jesus will? That He will answer your prayer, that He will respond to you, that He will not dismiss you, but He will receive you. Maybe you thought, but not my problem. I mean, Pastor, my problem's really of no concern to Jesus. Maybe you've had this thought cross your mind. Maybe you've thought to yourself, well, that's just the way it is. I guess I need to get used to it. Uh, my problem's not big enough to mess with Jesus over. My problem's too big. It'd just be too much to ask of Him if I came to Him in the middle of this. Maybe you think to yourself, you know, if I could just handle this on my own, I'd probably be a little more lovable. You probably would, but not to Jesus. There isn't anything we can do, say, or become that makes us more lovable to Him. He couldn't love us anymore. And that's what He wants us to know. All of these are subtle temptations that Satan uses in an attempt just to keep us quiet and to deny Jesus' willingness instead of confessing our great need and asking Him, the only one who can help, for His power and for His help. You know, I'm not sure how this started, but at some point, it seems like Christians became thought of as people who have it all together. Have you ever heard that? That's the opposite of reality, friends. Christians are simply people who continually confess, Lord, I'm unclean, but I know you can make me clean. And in that confession, to come to Him and have from Him what He gives to us. Let me ask you this. Is there anything in your heart, is there anything in your mind today preventing you from coming to Jesus and asking out of the depth of your need to simply pray, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. It may be the cleanness of your soul to have your sins washed away and forgiven. And to become a Christian, to become a follower of Jesus Christ. It may be for a specific need in your life. A care or a concern or, or a weight of life. We're all carrying heavy burdens these days. Have you paused long enough to go, you know, I think this is something only Jesus can handle. Or have you paused long enough to go, you know what, I need to stop trying to handle everything on my own and start taking it to Him. I want you to know the first distinctive glory of Jesus reminds us today. He's here. He's waiting. He's willing if we'll come to Him. That's the first. Let's go to verse 5 of Matthew chapter 8. Matthew records, when he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me, 
And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. While the sons of the kingdom will be thrown out into the outer darkness, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. You know, in a lot of ways, what we see in this second pericope is quite the opposite of what we saw in the first. Both men, the leper and the centurion, come to Jesus out of what they understand He can do. And the leper, out of his faith, says, Lord, I know if you will, you are able to heal me. And the centurion says, look, uh, I'm not worthy, but I know what you can do. And what powerful statements both of these are. And Jesus says, it was such a, a testimony of faith, it was unlike any other faith that He had encountered. For the centurion asked him to help his servant who wasn't even with him. He was back at home and Jesus says, sure, let's go. And he's like, no, 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 no. no. I'm not worthy to have you. Like you are God. You can't come to my house. I didn't pick up the den before I left this morning. I didn't expect you to come to the house. Why don't you just take care of it here? Because I'm not worthy to have you at my house. But something happens in that moment that amazes even Jesus when he says that. You see, the centurion has an understanding of authority that he shares with Jesus. And in his understanding of Jesus' authority, he makes a much larger declaration of who he knows Jesus to be. He knew that Jesus' power would be present wherever his authority, his authority reached. And even though he wasn't worthy to come to his house... He was still saying, I know that you are God. And if you'll just speak the word, even though my servant is not with me, he will be healed because your power resides where your authority reaches. And this is the faith that amazes Jesus with an incredible insight. This is the second distinctive glory of Jesus' ministry that I want you to see today. Jesus' power reaches where His authority resides. His power reaches where His authority resides. Now, stay with me for just a moment. Because I'm going to quote Jesus Himself in understanding how far His authority reaches so we can understand where His power resides. A Roman centurion, a Roman centurion, one of the most brutally trained warriors of the first century, without argument, humbles himself to come to Jesus to do something for Him. And he teaches us an amazing truth about Jesus' power. That wherever His authority resides, we can be confident His power is fully present. And what a powerful promise. For the centurion made a great request because he believed Jesus was not just a great man, but that He was God. And He is the one who holds all authority in heaven and on earth for all things. 
He's not just Lord of the earth. He is Lord of all creation. He is Lord of the heavens as well. And this is the statement that the centurion instructs us on. There is no place in any realm of existence among all things across all ages and times that the full measure of God's power does not reside. Let that sink in for a moment, friends. No place in any realm that the full measure of God's power does not reside. You will never encounter anything in your life where Jesus' power is not fully sufficient because He holds all authority. He holds all authority for today. He held it yesterday. He will hold it every day after today. He holds it when you're at church. He holds it when you're at home. He holds it when you're at work. He holds it when you're on vacation. He holds it when you're in the city. He holds it when you are well. He holds it when you are at death's door. And on the other side of that door, He still holds it. This is the statement that the centurion is teaching us. Have you come to any point in your life where you believe you've reached a place in some situation or in some circumstance where maybe Jesus is not there? Where there's nothing Jesus can do about this? Be careful you do not allow yourself to go there, friends. The centurion speaks... Of the incredible faith. And Jesus, He doesn't even respond to the centurion immediately. I love how this is so opposite from the first story. He actually turns to everybody else but the centurion. And He says this. There's going to be a lot, there's going to be a lot of people at the judgment seat of Christ. He doesn't say it this way. But this is what He is saying. There's going to be a lot of people standing before Jesus at the last day. And they're going to believe that they're a shoe in. But they're not getting in. And there's going to be a lot of people who don't even want to crawl up to the judgment seat. Why? Because they don't think they're worthy. But they're going to get moved to the front of the line and moved right on in. How is this? Because Jesus, looking at all of the righteous indignation of religion and everything that it had arrogantly bolstered in people where they were needing Jesus less and less and accomplishing for themselves more and more, they had taken their faith and their eyes off of Jesus and put it on what they could do, believing that they could earn a place with God in heaven by their own merit, by their own nature, and by their own accomplishment. And Jesus says there won't be one person who crosses the threshold of heaven that gets in because of that. There's only one reason that you get into heaven, friends. It's because you believe that Jesus is God, that He holds all authority as He has said, and only by His broken body and His shed blood are our sins forgiven and washed clean. That's what the centurion is telling us. Imagine for a moment if you really lived like you believed this, how it would change everything. You just say, Lord, if you just speak a word, I know it will happen in my life because you've got the authority. And where your authority resides, your power reaches. Imagine that. Imagine how it would change this. 
This is not just the faith of a great person because of who that person is, but it's a great faith because of the depth of, of confidence and trust in the one in whom it's being placed. I mean, you're God. I know what you can do. And if you'll just speak the word, you don't even have to look in my direction. It'll happen. Why? Because your word reaches where your authority resides. Imagine how it would change the way you read the Bible. Why? Because the word is right there. And that's his power. And it is true wherever his authority resides. Imagine how this would change the way you thought about and received and believed what was said in the Bible. Imagine how it would change what God's Word illuminated in you by the work of the Spirit. God, I I don't need you to come any closer. I just know that whatever you will say right there, it'll be done because of who you are. You see, friends, faith that amazes Jesus is the person who knows the power of His Word can reach anywhere because His authority is everywhere. It's over everything. And you see what this centurion came to Jesus expecting. Don't even look in my way. I I mean, I'm not worthy of it. And Jesus said, oh, I'm going to look your way. I'll come to your house. He said, no, 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 just speak the Word. And that's what Jesus did. Friends, Jesus calls us to a greater faith as demonstrated by the centurion. Not a faith that's great in size by us, but the fullness of understanding and the depth of trust in who He is. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the King of all the earth. He is the King of heaven. He's the King of all creation. He is the King of all that is. That's where His authority remains. And there's not one dark corner among His authority where His full power will not reach. If only you'll come and ask. Come and ask. Are you trusting God's Word this way? The Word of God that is given to us in the Bible? Are you confident of His power because you know His authority? Is there any need in your life, small or large, over which you need Him to speak the power of His Word into your life today? Don't tell me about how small it is. You can take care of it later. That's just a statement of unbelief. God does not care how small it is. He cares about how ready you are to receive His power in your life. Don't talk to me about how great the need is and how big it is or or even how practical it is or any other of these excuses that we offer to God. The, the, The point is very simple in the centurion and the leper's faith. Will you come to Jesus and let His power work in your life? That's the invitation, friends. God has come to us in Jesus Christ. Will we believe in who He is and come to Him and receive what He has for us? Matthew chapter 8, verse 14 tells us when Jesus entered Peter's house, He saw His mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she rose and began to serve Him. 
That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. This is kind of like the refrain or the chorus of the song of Matthew introducing Jesus' ministry. He tells us just kind of the, the resonation of what happens in every individual situation. And when chapter 8 begins with the image of Jesus descending from the mountain with a greater power that impacts every person that He encounters, these last three verses show the scope and the posture of Jesus' power and willingness. He went into an individual's home and He touched the individual. But every individual He came got touched by His power. You see that imagery there? I'm telling you, God's painting a picture for every one of us today that there's no one in the crowd today He doesn't want to touch by His power. The question is, will you believe and come? He waits. He goes into Peter's house where his mother-in-law was laying sick and he touched her and he healed her and she was immediately restored to health and began to serve and Matthew records that many began to be brought well into the evening hours. They had varied problems. Some were sick. Some were demon oppressed. Some were, ha, had been filled with evil spirits. But Jesus didn't ask, what's your problem? I don't know if I can handle it today. Jesus said, just come. And He took care of every person that came. And why did He do this? Because God had already promised in Isaiah that He would. That He would take our illnesses. He would bear our diseases. <coughs> Excuse me. And this great power that descended from the mountain knows no boundary or limit, and surely not today, friends. Surely not today. The third distinctive glory is this. (coughs) Jesus waits for all who will come to Him. No one will be left untouched by His power. He is waiting. And listen, Jesus is waiting is your invitation. All you must do is believe. He is the Messiah who comes in power to bear the brokenness of our sin and transform the one who follows Him. Now I want to make one last observation and then I'll be finished. Matthew begins with three people. A leper, a Gentile, and a woman. You know why he uses three, three people? Because in the social strata of the Jewish mindset, they were the lowest three people on the rungs. And Matthew says to us today, it doesn't matter what the world has put on you, doesn't matter where the world has put you, Jesus is waiting to receive you. He's here for all. He's willing to make you clean to all who will come to Him. There's no place nor any situation that His power cannot reach and heal by His Word. He waits to touch with His healing power all who will come to Him. Friends, do not allow anything to keep you from coming to Jesus today. He's waiting for you. Here's what I want us to do in these final moments. I'm going to ask a couple of the pastors if they'll move. One's going to move right out here, and one's going to move right over here. 
If they'll begin to move to those places, I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes with me for just a moment. We're not going to tarry. In a few moments, we'll have some baptism candidates come and we'll conclude the service with the baptism celebration. But for just a moment, I want to put before us, is there any area of your life where you would say today, you you need Jesus to speak. You need Jesus to act. You need Jesus' help. And you would come for prayer or for ministry today. I'm going to ask you to come. If you're in this area, you can come over here. If, if that pastor's with someone, another pastor will come over and receive you. If you're in this area, I'm going to ask you to come over here. Let me pray for us as we begin. And then you just get up and come as you are led. Heavenly Father, help us this morning. Help us to listen to the Word. And Father, not just to be stirred, but to be moved. Moved from where we are to where You want to meet us, to where You await for us. Lord, we know that You are present with us. But some of us need to come and we need to bow before You today. Some of us need to come and we need to make requests of You today. Some of us need to come and we need to bring our needs that are weighing heavy on our minds and upon our hearts. Burdens of life that are overwhelming us, that are causing us to to live differently, to think differently, to maybe even believe differently today. Friends, if you're here today and you've allowed the weight of life to overwhelm you, such that you've known the Lord, but you've come to believe some things about Him that you know aren't true, like He, He can't help you or He won't help you. That's just simply not true, friends. And maybe today, just coming for prayer is an act of repentance for you. To stop believing what you've been believing and start believing what God has said and who He is and where He wants to meet you. Would you come today? Maybe you have a need that's arisen in your life for healing, for help, for counsel, for guidance. And in this moment, you just sense the Spirit of God stirring your heart to seek His help by the ministry of His people. You may be sitting next to someone that you want to have them pray over you. Turn to them and ask, would you pray for me? I'm going to ask our pastors to continue throughout this next song. And I know we don't do this very often, but it shouldn't stop us from coming. As the Spirit leads, I'm going to ask you to come to the willingness of God waiting for you to receive you, to minister to you, and to bring the reality of His power to bear fully upon your life and your situation.